It can only be attributable to human error. Where will we go next? another My name is Alex Daikaiju. To my left, Jasmine with across from us, Eli Watson. And you're listening to Cryptid, Cryptid Campfire. Campfire. Welcome to week two of Bigfoot Mountain, everybody. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're getting ready to talk about some famous footage in the realm of Bigfoot, the good old Patterson Gimlin film. Some big footage. Puns on puns on puns on puns. And good night. <laughs> So, uh, today we're talking about one of the most famous... The uh, Patterson-Gimlin film. Of one Bigfoot. Of a Bigfoot, of a Sasquatch. It is probably the most famous footage out there. Most, like, definitive thing that people... Image people think of when you say Bigfoot, too. Yeah, people always think of that walking pose when Mm -hmm. it turns to look at the camera. I mean... Even if you don't recognize the name, you've probably seen the footage or a screen cap of the footage, or you'll recognize the pose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You mean from the pose from uh, frame 352? Uh, maybe. Yeah. The, the one where Bigfoot does a dab. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So... Take it away. Who's Patterson? Oh yeah, so yeah, so who is this Patterson? Who are who are? Well, these first people? of all, that's the thing. Pa- Patterson Gimlin. Uh, is the last names of the two people who took the footage. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where the name comes from. And the location that this happened in was Bluff Creek. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're going to learn, before we get into what actually happened that day, we're going to learn a little bit about who those two people were, mm-hmm. why they were interested, and how they ended up in Bluff Creek. Mm-hmm. And, and if you want to be like a cool cryptozoologist, you call it PGF. Oh, yeah, you call it PGF. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I was watching some videos, and they're like, so we're talking about PGF today. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Super cool. So, Roger Pattinson, Patterson, I keep saying Pattinson, I'm <laughs> so sorry, I'm probably going to do it through the whole episode. Yeah, what the heck. It's, uh, it's... He just got cast as Batman, he we're did. all reeling from it. <laughs> <laughs> so, Roger Patterson was a, uh, I, I, I only, I'm going to be honest, I only started when he got into Bigfoot, which was uh, 1959. Yeah. Uh, that, that's actually when he entered the world. When he, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's when he started existing. Um, so he ran into some articles by our friend Ivan Sanderson, mm-hmm. who we've talked about previously. Uh, he published a book on Abominable Snowman. Mm-hmm. But this was actually before that book came out, and he was doing articles in True Magazine. Mm-hmm. And uh, Roger Patterson picked one up, picked up one of these magazines, and was just like, "Whoa, this is some good stuff." I dig it, man. Yeah, and he just got hooked on the Bigfoot thing, and he traveled to Bluff Creek in 1964 for the first time, mm-hmm. and that's when he met a guy named Pat Graves, who showed him Bigfoot tracks. Pat Graves was, Pat Graves actually found, was the guy who investigated the hoaxed. Uh, Bigfoot Steps. Oh! Uh, from 58. That we mentioned in the last episode? Mm-hmm. Okay, oh. cool. And so, Pat Graves, that got him into it, but yeah. then he started discovering, like, other tracks that were authentic, obviously. Right. 
Uh, and there's you can there's several differences you can probably tell right off the bat about what makes it real and what's not. Mm-hmm. Just just the way the foot hits the ground. We'll we'll get it. Yeah, but, you're chomping at the bit. Yeah. So uh, Pat Graves was like, "Hey Roger, you're a cool guy. I'll show you some Bigfoot steps." <laughs> and uh, kind of went on from there. Let's see. Roger also worked on a book called "Do Abominable Snowmen of America Really Exist." And he released that in 1966. Self-published, right? He self-published. Yeah. Uh, basically, he was just compiling uh, different reported sightings mm-hmm. into one book, so he didn't really like write it. But he compiled it. But I think what he did add to the bring to the table was he included maps of yeah. sightings and stuff, where a lot of our books and stuff didn't really have mapped out sections. So he kind of compiled it everywhere. So it was like, oh, there's mm-hmm. kind of a you can see threads of where a lot of these things happen. So that was kind of, he right. kind of combined them all. And that's how he met John Green, actually. It was during the writing of this book. So a lot of a lot of the information I have comes from John Green himself because they ended up kind of working closely together. Unfortunately, the book didn't do very well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it didn't raise enough money for the expedition he wanted to lead uh, to, to, to do an expedition to find... Because uh, this was 66? Yeah, 66. Because unfortunately, this is after the death of Tom Slick. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I know. If Tom Slick had, had been around, he, he probably, probably could have funded he, it. He probably could have. There's wow. an alternate universe out there where Tom Slick survived, and like we all just live with Bigfoots now, mm-hmm. and society's perfect. <laughs> that would be crazy. Uh, we got to do a time heist now. So I have this about when John Green met Roger Patterson. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, it has a lot to do about his character, and I think it made me view him slightly differently than the way the internet, especially the Wikipedia page, oh. tends to paint him. <laughs> yeah. And it's... I'll be honest, I've stopped reading Wikipedia. It's pretty bad. So I didn't even, like, the past few episodes that we've been researching, I haven't even clicked on the Wikipedia. Sick. Good, good. That's tight. I remember when it was the other way around. Yeah, it was all I would read. It is a good starting point, especially yeah. if you like scroll down to the bottom and find the other sources and kind of branch off from there. But mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I'm I'm not even looking at Wikipedia anymore. Yeah, so he says this about Roger Patterson that he obviously had no money when he met him. Mm-hmm. I'm presuming somewhere like '65. Uh, stop. Oh, sorry. Oh. Sorry. Jasmine's trying to play footsie <laughs> with me. Big footsie? <laughs> Draw that. <Yeah. laughs> just like Bigfoot trying to play footsie with everyone. You're out. Someone's out camping and then like a foot just like creeps <laughs> into their tent. And they're like, what is that? And it's just like, eek, 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 eek. <laughs> so. Sorry. Derailed. All right. <laughs> He obviously had no money and was plainly a man given to obsessions, not only about the Sasquatch, but about horses, health foods, and a couple of inventions he was promoting. He was certain that Sasquatches were human and must not be shot, and he was deaf to any argument to the contrary. I have seen him described as a rancher, but that was not the case. He had been a rodeo rider, however, and was never found or was never to be found on foot if there was any way he could be on a horse. He was a small man, though very muscular, and his horses were small too. He actually had a Volkswagen van rigged up so he could transport two horses in it. His obsession with horses may have had something to do with his success in getting the movie 
while his insistence on not shooting was certainly the reason why his success was not conclusive. Mm. At that time, he had already had one brush, one brush with death from Hodgkin's disease, which was then considered incurable, and from which he died about five years later, but no one who met him would have suspected it. Mm-hmm. So that that's just a little image that I just kind of feel like... Kind of sets up the man. Yeah. Because yeah, I guess we'll say in the Wikipedia page, they just crap all over Yeah, they all. really do. They're like, oh, man, did you know uh, famed dickhead and asshole <laughs> yeah, yeah. Robert, uh, Roger, Rob Pat- Roger Pattinson. Yeah, I'm getting everyone's heads now. <laughs> he used to just, like, kick puppies while he was trying to find Bigfoot. It, it's and r- borderline. He, he, like, robbed from people, and he even, you know, is just like, wow, okay, geez, Louise, who wrote this, John Keel? Yeah, I know. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so that kind of just leads us up into the day of, mm-hmm. um, and Jasmine is going to tell the story. So the other half of this crew is Bob Gimlin. Um, so back in 1967 at the time uh, was when Gimlin was 35. So this is a little background on him. He mm-hmm. was making a living driving trucks, roofing, and riding and taming horses. Um I guess him and Patterson had been old rodeo pals, Mm -hmm. and they ran into each other at a Union Gap service station uh, one day, and this is when Patterson was recovering from one of his bouts with cancer, Uh, and Patterson told Gimlin uh, of his interest in supposed Bigfoot sightings, Uh, and at this station, the service station, Patterson actually had a plaster cast of a Bigfoot print in his truck. Mm. which he brought out to show Gimlin to see if he would be interested in searching on horseback for evidence of Bigfoot. Uh, there, were, there weren't many other people who Patterson could talk to because mm-hmm. uh, nobody really wanted to believe him. Uh, but Gimlin was, like, a nice enough guy to kind of, like, listen to what he was saying, not necessarily believing in it, but just, like, having an open ear. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so... Patterson continued to share these this Bigfoot lore and testimonies of real-life encounters and books on the topic, despite Gimlin's insistence that he didn't care. So even though <laughs> even though Gimlin was, like, listening and, like, letting his friend talk and, like, entertaining his ideas, mm-hmm. he was really on the side of, I don't really care, yeah. like, this isn't and really you, my thing. You can tell in the interviews, I don't know mm-hmm. if you guys watched any interviews, I, yeah, a little but bit, yeah. you can tell he really... I mean, he's found a place in the Bigfoot community, but he you can tell he just really didn't care. He's like, oh, this yeah. guy told me he want to go find a Bigfoot, and I said, well, I got nothing better to do, so I might <laughs> as well go take a look. And we saw it, and now I don't really want to talk about it, but everyone won't leave me alone. Yeah, so 1967 is when Patterson told Gimlin about the logging road construction crew spotting tracks and having their equipment inexplicably disassembled in the Six Rivers National Forest. He begged Gimlin to drive the two men and their horses to Northern California to go on this search. So Gimlin was skeptical that anything actually existed, but he was intrigued. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's quoted as saying, I wanted to see these footprints that people talked about. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's kind of a little bit of background on Gimlin. Like he wasn't necessarily a believer before going out. Uh, He was kind of just entertaining the idea, didn't really want to, but didn't want to make his friend feel bad, so Mm -hmm. he just kind of was like, okay, let's go, Uh, and that's kind of how they ended up in the forest on this adventure one day. So, wait, I just want to, because Patterson had a camera with him. Why did did he have a camera with him? 
Um, well, I didn't know we were getting into that part yet. Oh, I don't I know. We were I just leading up to it. Oh, well, I just, um, I, we're, this is part of the lead up. I, I actually Surprise, don't, is there, trucker. is there like, is there like a secret to this? Cause no, I just figured just, out. He's a, uh, he was, he, his book didn't do well. So he was trying to make a film about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, but he brought the okay. camera out there to film the tracks. Yeah. They were, it was they, specifically brought for that purpose. Yeah. It's, Cause like you mentioned before we started recording, there's this idea that they just went out and happened to come across yeah. Bigfoot. Yeah. But they, they were, that's why they were there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, he rented a camera. Because uh, this turns into a whole thing. Yeah. Later, it's a, it's a small. He rented a, a, a little Kodak Y two hundred camera. Runs on. Uh, it films sixteen millimeter color film. Mm-hmm. That's what he brought out with him. He rented it from Yakima, Washington, mm-hmm. which is where he lived. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they were out there riding horses, hoping to get find some tracks. In fact, they were out there for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. They took... There's a lot... Because this is another fact, too. If you look mm. up the footage, you might find, like, a 52-second version of it, but it's actually longer than that. Yeah. Like, it's not... The, the footage is much more than just the Bigfoot mm-hmm. sighting. Like, there's mm-hmm. plenty of of video of them, like, riding horseback, filming nature, like, filming the horses. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they've cut it down on YouTube so that it is just the Bigfoot segment, but there is more to it than just... They were, like, filming all day, yeah. like, mm-hmm. random stuff. Mm-hmm. But I think they were probably setting up shots they're, like, like looking for... Because they were trying to film, I believe, well, they were trying to shoot, like, a, a pseudo-documentary about a cowboy... A story about cowboys who had met a Bigfoot at, like, an abandoned mine. Yeah. And so that's where, like, well, this looks kind of like, you know, Wild Westy area. Yeah. So they were looking, and then... But, I mean, he went out there because... There's a lot of Bigfoot sightings out yeah. there in Bluff Creek, so. Uh, there ain't no bluff so then, in the creek. Yeah. So they were out there for a couple of days, and then the fateful day, October 20th, comes. Mm-hmm. Jasmine, did you want to take it away? Well, there's really, I mean, it's actually kind of simple when, when we get down to that part. So they're out on horseback, uh, which I didn't know previous to this research. Like like I said, I just saw, I didn't know it either. Like mm-hmm. I just saw the 52 second version. I think it's 52. I don't know why I'm sticking to that number. But yeah. I had only ever seen the Bigfoot segment of the creature walking mm-hmm. through the forest. But mm-hmm. they were out there on horseback. Uh, and according to the research I have, the horses are actually the one who noticed Bigfoot first. Mm-hmm. So they're they're riding through the forest, and then the horses start to freak out. They kick and protest, and everyone's like, oh my mm-hmm. gosh, why? And then they realized what the horses had been seeing, uh, and they looked over and they saw a hulking gorilla-like figure, sorry, a hulking gorilla-like figure covered in dark hair, hurried on two legs along the creek bed. Its sloped head and torso were pushed forward, its upper back hunched, thigh muscles rippling, and long arms swinging, breast exposed, which is a very interesting description for everything that they see. I mean, um, it, it's something to see, all right? <laughs> it's, so, it's definitely wild. So what happens when they see this is Patterson jumps off his horse and reaches in his bag to grab the camera because he hadn't been recording at that exact mm-hmm. moment. So he reaches in, he grabs it. It's really dumpy and scrambly as he tries to, like... Uh, it's like the beginning of the footage is like all shaky. Yeah, because he's... he's trying to steady himself. So he, he runs across the, the uneven ground and crouches to steady himself. Uh, and Gimlin on that. So that's Patterson who did that. Gimlin, mm-hmm. on the other hand, is like getting his rifle ready for protection. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so Patterson steadies himself and captures this creature mid-stride who turns to look over its shoulder at the camera before it just walks off on into the forest. 
Uh, and it's noted that there was a skunky odor in the air at that time as well. Mm-hmm. And this whole thing happened in less than a minute. Like I right. said, 52 seconds or whatever it yeah. is. Well, some uh, slightly more details at the very beginning. Because I have that uh, Roger, actually, his horse freaked out and, like, threw him off. Yeah. Oh, okay. And then that's that's why he was scrambling to get the camera. Yeah. Because yeah. from where he was, from where he landed... The, the camera was on the other side of the horse, so he had to run around the horse, gotcha. grab the camera. But Bob said, and I found this because I was like, why would only... Because they had three horses with them. Yeah. One of them ran away. Rogers ran away right after he got the camera, but Bob never got off his horse. Yeah. And it's because th- that was Bob's horse that he had for a while, and so he was able to calm it and relax it, mm-hmm. you know, th- that bond. And so... Yeah, because he had a history, like I said, in rodeo. Like, yeah. horses was kind of his thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, it, not, that's all I wanted to add was just the horse freak out. Yeah. So. And so, he's off to the side trying to calm his horse, and then uh, Patterson got the camera, and the, but, they ran off. And yeah, that's what well. he's kind of doing. Uh, Patterson actually followed the creature into the forest mm. for a little bit. And if you, if you can, you can try to find a little bit of it. There's some parts where it gets shaky again after you see the creature walk uh because he follows it into the forest they followed it they said about like three miles before they lost it and uh he said he just kept recording until his his film ran out yeah um and he yelled at he yelled for bob to cover him in case Mm -hmm. but from what i understand bob never pulled never like loaded up his gun yeah because he he said that the creature there was no reason to yeah it was just out walking yeah and these weirdos showed up and started invading its privacy with camera i just realized for whatever reason they named the bigfoot patty Mm -hmm. and i'm wondering if that comes from patterson's last name probably Mm -hmm. that makes sense yeah so yeah the the creature that they captured they decided to name patty Mm -hmm. uh and this, you would think that this footage would, like, unite them or, like, give them some credibility, did the complete opposite, and basically tore them apart and made them estranged towards each well, other. Well, before we get there, mm-hmm. because there's quite a flurry of events that happens yeah. immediately after. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, I don't know. They covered up some of the tracks with bark. I don't know if you guys knew that. I did not. Uh, it comes up later, and I'll tell you. They went straight back to civilization right after. Uh, Roger actually called the, uh, the Museum of British Columbia to try to get some scientists and tracking hounds down there. Okay. And they said, and I quote, they said, we'll just wait till we watch the film. Yeah. And then right after, like a few days later, they went like right back out to the creek. And uh, they were able to get, only one guy came down, and his name was... And his name was, let me, just let me, give me one second. (laughs) Bob Titmus. Bob Titmus went down there and he, well, they casted the casts Mm -hmm. because they got, they casted some of the footsteps and then Bob Titmus came down and recasted some of them. With, uh, what did they use, uh, plaster, right? Yeah, plaster. So they got some of that. Uh, Bob Titmus apparently brought his, uh, brother-in-law along from San Diego. They drove from San Diego all the way up oh, there. Oh, dang. Yeah. Long trip. And uh, his brother was a big game hunter, mm-hmm. but he didn't believe in anything like Bigfoot. 
But as they were examining the tracks, the tracks were sunken in about an inch, an inch and a half into the sand. Right. And the only thing they were able to, like, step in was maybe three-fourths of an inch at the softest point. Yeah. They, they couldn't... So that obviously clued him in that, that it was a heavy creature. It had a lot of weight to it. Yeah. Because he, he said his brother was about 200 pounds at that point. Right. And he's making three-fourths of an inch in a sand. Who's his brother again? Sorry. Bob Titmus's brother, just some random dude. Uh-huh. I, I got it from John Green's book. Mm-hmm. Okay, because um, I, I have some information about uh, Patterson's brother-in-law. Yeah, oh yeah, because they sent yeah. the film mm-hmm. up to Patterson's brother-in-law. I kind of skipped over that. But yeah, uh, continue. There's torrential rainfall right after that, actually. Washed all the footsteps away. Oh, yeah. really? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I feel like nature always has a way of doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Which I thought was very interesting. It was like it just like right after they got those casts, the rain came in. There's always some sort of natural weather occurrence that prevents things from being discovered or expeditions from happening. Maybe that's the mystical element yeah. of the Bigfoot yeah. at play. Yeah. You know, Perhaps. like you never know. So yeah, basically <clears throat> it was uh, not fun times after after this video came mm-hmm. out. Uh, it met. Immediate criticism accused Patterson and Giblin of being master pranksters who simply filmed a man in an ape suit and laid fake footprints in the mud. Mm-hmm. It basically tore their friendship apart, uh, even though I guess they didn't really have... I mean, they were friends, but it wasn't like they were BFFs or anything yeah. before yeah, that. Yeah, they were just like two guys that... Well, I mean, is one guy who was like, I'm going to go find a Bigfoot. And mm-hmm. the other a little cowboy who's like, well, I guess they'll come along. I guess I'll go too. We both like horses, I do declare. But yeah, they had they had uh, plans to take the film on a national tour as a way to raise funds for the expedition to go back to Bluff Creek. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they took equal shares in the film. But eventually, Gimlin like, gave up. He was out. He decided he wanted out. Uh, and he sold his share of the rights for less than $10 to another... Bigfoot researcher. Um, yeah, supposedly to make her go away because she was being annoying. <laughs> That's what I read. Really? I don't know. <laughs> I didn't read there was a that. lot going on there. The p- the politics of the whole situation oh, yeah, thereafter is very Games of Thrones. Is oh yeah, it's ridiculous. Um. So, five years go by. So, basically, that's when Gimlin dipped out. Like, Gimlin was like, okay, I'm done well, with this. I'm sorry. Could I get one one more thing yeah, in there? Yeah, okay. sure. Because this, this is still, like, the immediate aftermath okay. that I have here. Is that uh, the footage, they sent it straight off to... Right, I kind of skipped over yeah, that no real worries. quick. Yeah, they, they, they sent it to... What was his name? Al... Al de Altam... Diatli? Diatli. Yeah, Al Diatli. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They sent it. Now Which is Patterson's brother-in-law. Brother-in-law. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. John Green went there that day when the footage arrived, and they watched it together. Mm-hmm. The footage, like the first people to watch it, was watching this in like the garage or something. Yeah. And then they sent it. They sent it to the British, the Museum of British Columbia, obviously. And he said, John Green was there. Patterson was there. Everyone was there, and they watched it together. And they could tell just by the atmosphere in the room that no one wanted to say it to their faces, but they thought it had been faked. Mm-hmm. And in fact, the because Bob Titmus only took ten casts, right? Like, uh, casts of ten footsteps, and the best ones to try to get the best shape of the foot. And they said that the the footsteps were fake. Mm-hmm. The casts were mm-hmm. fake because they were too perfect. 
So, and then they sh- they sent it off to L.A. and to mm-hmm. New York, and no one cared. Yeah. So, well, I think it's pretty wild. <laughs> they sent it to Universal, too. Did they really? Yeah. The, um, because people had said that it was fake. And so Patterson and uh, Giblin actually had the video examined by experts from the special effects department at Universal Studios in Hollywood, mm. uh, who argued quote, we could try faking it, but we would have to create a completely new system of artificial muscles and find an actor who could be trained to walk like that. Yeah. It might be done, but we would have to say that it would be almost impossible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because interesting note about the stride is that the creature, the Bigfoot never locks its knees. Yeah. And mm. humans lock their knees in every step. So it's the, like... There was this little video I watched to where... Uh, this group of um, like movement analysis, like they, they study how muscles and gates work and mm-hmm. stuff, and they're like they're like, well, we tried to replicate it with a guy, and they told him, okay, you kind of slouch like this and that, and even when he was just trying to walk, like he kept lo- locking his knees, yeah, like he couldn't, he couldn't take a step the distance that the creature was, mm-hmm. uh, and they're like, well, it's close enough, let's compare it, and they're like, well, it's clearly a man in the suit, and it's like. But the gate didn't work. It didn't match up quite. Like, yeah. his movements, because somebody, the video I was watching, they are like, well, they're like, I drew a line over him. Here's his gate. Now let's compare it to the thing. And it's like, his knees are, like, locking completely. Yeah. Like, they're like, how does that, that's not, you know, working. Yeah. Uh, so it's, you know, and it's taking big steps. It, just a gate that is going and it's, it's moving, like, super easy, but yeah. in a weird way, you know, that's. Yeah. You'd have to really put a lot of time and effort in to get just, that gate going. Yeah. If it was like, if it was two guys being like, all right, we got this monkey suit, go walk. Like, yeah. go improvise a walk. And the guy's yeah. like, improvise the most graceful, hard, like, gate ever without yeah. moving his knees. And they're like, oh, that's pretty good for, you know, yeah. for a couple of good old boys with a camera. Patterson got arrested right after as well, a few yeah. weeks later, because he never returned his camera. <laughs> Isn't that yeah. crazy? He, he, he was uh, arrested for uh, amateur pornography because the, oh my goodness, the Bigfoot's breasts were out. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, I actually changed it in my notes. I wrote chess, but I still read breasts because <laughs> I thought it was funny. Well, I, w- I will say this, because I've grown up being interested in cryptids and paranormal and stuff, doing my little funny hand movements. Uh, I've seen this video like... All the time, like, when National Geographic mm-hmm. or History Channel does it. And it wasn't until, like, I think I was talking to Eli about it. I was like, oh, man, I saw this one, this really funny sculpture someone did towards the Patterson uh, uh, Bigfoot, but it's got big boobs on it. Yeah. He's like, well, that's because it's in the video. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, they are. I they never are. noticed it until just, just recently that this Bigfoot's got them big old boobies hanging out. <laughs> And I, it blew my mind because I never knew. I never saw it until just recently. So Now I'm Googling the image again. Yeah. that That's a busty Bigfoot. Uh, and that, that image, that screen cap, that's, that's what you see everywhere. Mm-hmm. On air fresheners, on t-shirts, mm-hmm. on coffee mugs. Like, that image of her slash him looking over the shoulder at the camera that's where that image comes from so even if you've never super seen super iconic even if you've never seen the patterson gimlin film you've seen that image yeah. most likely uh interesting note about roger patterson roger patterson uh on his deathbed 
Oh. Like, a few days before he died, he said that he had wished that they had shot and killed the creature instead of just getting a reel of film. Yeah. Uh, uh, who did he say that to? Cause he, I, said, he, said it. he said that to... Hold on, I had it. Where did it go? Let's Jack see. Webster. Jack, who, and who's Jack Webster? Is he just some random guy? Yeah, he interviewed him. Wait, what? No, it's not. It's not Jack Webster. I'm no, sorry. Oh, he's a guy interviewing Vancouver. Yeah, sorry about that. No worries. Uh, let's see. I'm a fake fan. We can just edit out all the dead space. Oh, yeah, we will. There's a lot of it. Shit, yeah, because I... Oh, here we go. Peter Brine. Oh, uh, Patterson, uh, a few days before uh, Roger died, he told Bigfoot book author Peter Brine that in retrospect, he wished he would have shot the thing and brought out a body instead of a reel of film. Mm. But also, it's kind of crazy. Whoa. Oh, and Brine, I think, was the guy who was attached to sneaking out the Yeti hand. Really? I believe so. Interesting. Uh, yeah, he, uh, Brine. Uh, yeah, he's, he's one of the guys who... Uh, put the fake bones there when they're snugging out the hand mm-hmm. so that's crazy because i was gonna say wait, who's this guy making the claim that patterson wished you know he would have shot yeah. the thing especially after he spent his whole life because it's kind of counterintuitive to be right. like i found bigfoot and i should have just shot the thing yeah especially after saying that he believed it to be a subspecies of human yeah i mean especially i mean because that that fits in line with the wikipedia version of the guy who's just like yeah you know what yeah. like I wish I would have shot the thing, and yeah. also I wish I would have had a million dollars from. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just like, oh, I mean, I, I, maybe, maybe that's paraphrasing. Yeah. And maybe, I mean, that's a dying man's last thoughts, you know, yeah. of like, you know, but still, it's crazy to think that for such an advocate of being like, no, like, there's something more to these things than just big dumb monkeys. They're intelligent. They're beautiful. There is a new species. You know, mm-hmm. a species has been around. And then to be like, also, I wish I would have put a bull in it. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Gimlin. Wishes he hadn't gone. Really? Yeah. He uh he's been quoted as saying that it ruined me. Uh, cause, just the whole aftermath of it. Well, or yeah. Just the so sighting? so uh, well. Yeah. The the whole aftermath thing kind of ruined his life in the normal world. Mm-hmm. Um. So basically, by 1972, Patterson had died. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Gimlin was the one left to face the critics uh, that emerged from around the country. So he and his wife has actually have actually been confronted in their hometown. Uh, Yakima was the place where Gimlin had become known for his fearlessness and strength because he had this reputation as like a rodeo guy who trained horses and all of this other stuff. He roped wild horses with the native boys on the nearby Yakima reservation. He was a rodeo rodeo man. He raced caravans and chariots through mountain passes and hurtled down cliff sides. So he had this reputation as like a daredevil. At age 18, he was he joined the army reserves and then he enlisted in the navy. So now by this point where he's claiming to have seen Bigfoot, like his handshake and his word were in doubt. Uh, that's the mm. way that this article quoted it. Cause that's like, they compared it to like a, uh, 
a type of currency. Like your handshake and your word and your trust is mm-hmm. really valuable in a town like this. Mm-hmm. And now he wasn't being taken seriously. Uh, so if he acknowledged that he had seen Bigfoot, then he was a, he was a loon. Yeah. But at the same time, if he stayed quiet, then people assumed he was lying. So he had told John Green, I can understand why they don't believe in it, because I didn't believe it either. Uh, but I saw one, and I know what I saw, and I know it wasn't a man in a suit. It couldn't have been. Um, so he... It took him a long time to actually talk more about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he... When is the first time? I think I have in here. So yeah, he first appeared... Uh, at a convention in California in 2003. So 2003 was the first time that he decided to like right. open up about open it. up about it and find people who actually wanted to respect him and hear what he had to say. So this was at the Willow Creek International Bigfoot Symposium. Uh, he spoke on Bigfoot for the first time in years, uh, and he now appears at conventions across the country. You're you're probably gonna see him when you go. Yeah, to I Oregon. hope so. Yeah, I hope so. I would love um, to meet him. Yeah, that'd be great. So, he actually, the first time that he did this, uh, he, like, got a standing ovation. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think I wrote it down, but I read that he was kind of, like, taken aback. Like, mm-hmm. he spent all this time being criticized and being made fun of, and then he goes to this convention, and people are, like, clapping and praising him and, yeah. like, believing what he's saying, and he's like, what the heck? Why <laughs> didn't I find these people sooner? Yeah. Um... So poor guy. He was just like his buddy was just real into eight. Yeah. yeah. He showed up, oh, it's, saw it and just ruined his life. It's just the classic example of just like the dangers of like, I got nothing else to do. Yeah. You know? know, it's your friends like, Hey, you wanna you wanna go to the mall? And like, Well, I got nothing and then you know, this you know, something crazy happens. Get abducted you, by aliens. Yeah, you know, or you, you see, you know, the Mongolian death worm mm-hmm. like on the Mongolian barbecue and you're like, Did anyone else see that? No one does, and now you're the crazy one. But when he's not, you know, going on tour and speaking at conventions, he's just chilling in Washington. Uh, he's still, he's a retired rancher. He yeah. leases land around the Yakima area where he grazes his horses, mows pastures, grows cucumbers in his garden and tomatoes, uh, and he's a member of several local equestrian clubs. Um, so he's still into horses. And... <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. good. It would have been sad if he was like, I swore off I horses know. He's like, this for the rest of my life. Too much trouble. <laughs> uh, so I guess I already talked a little bit that people had already thought it was a hoax. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if we want to get into that a little bit more. I mean, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, you, you want to say what the hoax is, what people think it is. Well, the, the most like we we mentioned a little bit briefly about how the most commonly held belief of it being a hoax is that it's someone in a suit, mm-hmm. right? And there are people who have claimed to be the one in the suit. Mm-hmm. Several people, yeah. Wait, is it? Uh, I I, I believe so. I want to say because I tried looking it up because I remember. So I remember I was doing my research and it was like, oh, this guy, the name popped up, Bob Heronius. Heronimus. Heronimus. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and he, Who cares? Yeah, this this clucker. Yeah, this, <laughs> this cluckhead. Uh, he claims to be the guy who was in the suit because he, he was around the group. I think he was trying to help him make the movie or something. Yeah. Their movie before they found the uh, Patty. Yeah. Um, but I remember watching, I want to say 
you know, something on History Channel years ago, like early 2000, there was a different guy than what Bob looks like. Yeah. It was like, I was the guy in the suit. And I yeah. So it's one of those things where I think everyone can come forward and be like, oh, I'll tell you what, I was the... Because Bob is like, oh, they paid me $1,000 to be in that suit. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's funny because the production value was $700. Yeah, I know. Like, like, what? And why it, would they pay you so much to be a monkey? Like That's part of the reason why I read John Green quote because he had no money yeah that's like he, he, he scripted and saved and like sold anything he could to try to get any money going yeah obviously but. so so but he claimed in 2005 he took a lie detector test the polygraphy test yeah yeah which i mean is one of those things well, can we can we get to that in a minute because yeah i have some things to say oh you got you got some i got uh, i got some words some bars to put down i got some bars to put down but I, i'm talking about a little bit like right after about what Hollywood was saying. I guess I didn't know about the Universal one. But mm. John Chambers, uh, he did the he did Spock's ears. Oh, okay. He did the Monsters, Lost in Space, Halloween Two. Oh, all of the Planet of the Apes movies. Oh, okay. In fact, okay. he won an Oscar for yeah. the makeup in Planet of the Apes, which came out the year after. Right. The sighting, and uh, people thought it was him. Yeah. For the longest time, and he never really said no, but he never said yes either. He just kind of was like, "Yeah, I guess." He's like, "He's like, huh? What?" I'm, <laughs> yeah. He's like, "I'm just." He's like, "I'm just making monkey suits, like for these movies. What you want from me?" Well, he did say he had nothing to do with the film when he yeah. died, though. On on his deathbed, he said he had nothing to do with it. Yeah. Which, I mean, if you're on your deathbed, why would you say? No. Yeah. You know, unless he really had nothing to do with it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you look at the makeup in Planet of the Apes. It's not. I mean, fantastic. It, yeah, for the time, you're like, it was, wow. Yeah, they're like, oh my gosh. But you look at it, like it's just you can tell it's just prosthetics over yeah. a, you know. And there's even uh, I was watching a video, to like, here's Patty. Here's here's you know the shot of the Bigfoot you know looking over his shoulder. Mm-hmm. Now here's a shot from uh, I think beneath the Planet of the Apes to where there's like a, a shirtless gorilla. Yeah. And it just looks like a big chunk <laughs> yeah. of like sheep wool over a guy. Yeah. And they're like, that's the special effects of the time. Now here's these two guys who had no money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, how do they how do they make this extremely complex suit, you know, when yeah. they had no money? Mm-hmm. Um There's also there's a costume maker named Philip Morris. Did mm-hmm. you say his name already? Not yet. I was just, I just want to make a quick note about John Chambers yeah. because he kind of is related to something that we're about to do, and that his uh, he trained Rick Baker. Oh, who did the makeup for Harry and the Hendersons? Mm-hmm. Rick Baker, who also did uh, American Werewolf in London, in London, which we did which earlier. We'll also be talking about later. Oh, <laughs> so I'll tell you in a minute. All right. Oh Jasmine? shoot. Well, I was just gonna have a quick note. There's a with the speculation that it was a guy in a suit. Um, there's no. It's all circumstantial evidence. Uh, none of it's backed by any concrete proof because there's a cost. Like we, well, first of all, we mentioned Bob. What's his face? Said he was the one that wore the suit, but there's no, there's no proof for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's also a guy, a costume maker named Philip Morris, mm-hmm. who in the early 2000s said that he sold Patterson the, the suit, suit. But there's no evidence of that sale either. Yeah. Well, yeah. He was like, yeah, I sold him that suit. Oh yeah, where's the receipt? Oh, oh. and then and then he's like, "Here's a replica of the suit I sold him, and it just it, looks like from Walmart, like a yeah. dingy. It is just like it's clearly flat and deflated." And he's like, "This is the same. This is approximately the suit I sold him." You're like, "What?" Yeah, apparently, 
he mailed it to them yeah. and then got a call from Patterson saying, how do I make the shoulders bigger? How do I make the arms longer? Yeah. Which you don't, that requires tailoring, wouldn't it? Yeah. He was like, oh, just stick shoulder pads in the, <laughs> in the, and use sticks for the hands. Yeah. And it's like, then how big was the suit in the, to yeah. begin with? Was it not big enough for, was it not small enough for a person to fit in? Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't understand. Uh, how do you make it look like it has back muscles so when it turns it has complete yeah. muscular muscles? Yeah, a pa- Patty's buff man. Um, but talking about American Werewolf in London in 90- 1997, in October of that year, John Landis, the director, uh, what did he say? He said that it was a hoax. Mm-hmm. That he said that it was John Chambers who had done it, but John Chambers was already passed away at that point, so yeah. he couldn't say anything. He said that. Only six people knew that at the time. He said he had learned the information from John Chambers while working with him on Beneath the Planet of the Apes in 1970. Mm-hmm. So Howard Berger of Hollywood's K&B effects group said it was common knowledge within the film industry that Mr. Chambers was responsible for a hoax that turned Bigfoot into a worldwide cult. Mm. Uh what? Mike McCracken Jr., a makeup artist and associate of Mr. Chambers, said, I'd say with absolute certainty that John was responsible. And I believe John said that he was good, but he wasn't that good. I mean, the thing, too, is it's like he's working on Plan of the Apes. He's working on big budget movies that are like, hey, listen, here's money. Here's craft services. Mm-hmm. You know, here's this and that. And then here's these two cowboys like, hey, listen, we don't have any money. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't have anything. We got two horses, and I got a camera that uh, I'm gonna get arrested for because I haven't yeah. paid for it yet. Do you want to make some of the most amazing effects ever for something that's not gonna be seen in a major movie chain? Yes, I would. He's <laughs> yeah. like, I would love to. I would love to. This will be my masterpiece, and it's not gonna be, you know, right. paid I for. I mean, I'm sure it helped his career in some way, though. But the fact that everyone attributed it to him, yeah, you know. Meanwhile, there, there could have been some guy who could have been like, oh, I did it, and used it as his, like, yeah. demo reel. I mean, that's probably why he didn't say he didn't do it. Yeah. It probably because they're like, oh, you're the guy who did the, the makeup in the Bigfoot video. Yeah. Yeah, do our movie. Yeah. We'll pay you hundreds of thousands of dollars. <laughs> what? Huh? No, thank you. Yeah, I'm not going to say no to that. i like, <laughs> all right. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, it should have been a flood of bootleg bo- uh, uh, Bigfoots. <laughs> right. It's also still considered a hoax just because nothing more has come out of the world. Mm-hmm. Like, these days, everyone has, well, I shouldn't say everyone, almost everyone has a cell phone with a high-quality camera. Mm-hmm. So why hasn't anything of this quality come out since then? Mm-hmm. I think it's a valid question, but... Because people don't go get in touch with nature it's anymore true. like they used That's, to. I mean, it's true. Um. And it also does a lot with the cameras as well. I mean, when you're shooting on film, you're not dealing with pixels. Yeah. I think uh, me and Stefan, you guys don't know him. Me and my buddy. Alex and I know him. Yeah. The well, listeners don't know Stefan. No. Yeah. Yeah, my, me and my buddy, he's a real big he, big film buff. Mm-hmm. He was telling me that uh, when they scan film, uh, it's like 16K or something. Mm-hmm. Like, it's super high resolution, and then they compress it down and sell it to us at 4K. Right. You know? But you don't get that when you film something in 1080p, 
That's it. That's yeah. all you have. And the rest is just pixels. Right. When you have film, you're dealing with grains. You can magnify the image. I mean, it sucks that they weren't shooting on anything bigger. Yeah. But, like, 16 is pretty small. Yeah. Like 35 would have been magnifique. But, you know, also, he had no money. So. Yeah, but he was able to convince uh, one of the the big uh, special effects yeah. guys at the time to come down to, like, a, a valley for, like, a week and make... Make, make a, a suit, suit for no money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and then Philip Morris, liar. <laughs> uh, interesting, Stan Winston. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, Stan, oh, Stan Winston, of course. Yeah, Stan Winston. Yeah. Uh, he's did a bunch of stuff on Star Wars. That's uh, Terminator. Yeah. Jurassic Park. He is not convinced of the footage. Yeah. He says that it is a man in a bad hair suit. He said, he said it's so bad that if one of my colleagues created this for a movie, they would be out of business. <laughs> he said that a suit like that could be made for a couple of hundred of dollars or under a thousand in that day. Okay. Which I guess apparently Roger Patterson had 700 bucks. Yeah. From this lady named Vilma Radford because <laughs> she loaned him money to make a movie. And then he never paid it back. And then he spent it all on the suit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Apparently. That's crazy. Well, Stan Winston, uh, he passed away. Uh, he's rest in peace now, but... Did uh, he really? Yeah. When? He, he passed away a while ago. Shut the front door. Uh, no, he did not. Yeah, Stan Winston passed away. I'm sad. Well, so. While Eli Googles that, just for his confirmation, since... We're on the topic of passing away. I did, I did just want to mention one more thing. You know, I kind of talked about Bob Gimlin and this idea that, like, he regrets ever having been a part of it and mm-hmm. he doesn't really enjoy it. I didn't read this as a quote. I'm kind of making this as an assumption. I think the reason that Gimlin does this, the reason that he continues to talk about it, is in memory of Patterson. Mm-hmm. Because even though they had, been, they had been estranged for, like, five years... Um, while Patterson was on his deathbed, uh, Gimlin pleaded that when he recovered, hoping that he would recover, that they would go back to California and actually catch Bigfoot. But uh, Patterson died the next day. Mm-hmm. So I think even though it, it may not be one of his favorite things, it may not be what he's most proud of, I think, and again, I'm making this as an assumption. This isn't anything I read about. I think that maybe in his heart, He's doing this in memory of Patterson. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things to where the guy pretty much gave all, everything he had to try to find Bigfoot, and mm-hmm. uh, he had he captured something, and everyone's just like, "Oh well, you know, it's fake, and he's dead, and he's a liar, and he's and Wikipedia's pooping all over him, I and know. he's just like, hey, listen, like he was a, just a guy trying to catch Bigfoot, <laughs> like yeah, yeah, leave him alone." I know. Uh, so I guess. You want to talk about Bob Aronius? Uh, let's see. Oh, Bobby. Uh, Is there really a lot of information on him? Because not, he was just a bullet point. Yeah, he's just notes. a bullet point. Just that uh, guy. <laughs> well, all right. I'll I'll share what I have of him. Uh, and this is the guy who claims to have been in the suit. Yeah. He claims is to he be the man alive? in the suit. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think more just, or less. He's just a loser now. <laughs> um, Yikes. He's a country bumpkin. And well, you, I'll show you why. He said... He waited 37 years after the footage had come out to say anything about it, and he said he did not come forward initially because he had hoped to get paid. Yeah. After he didn't get paid, 
He said that if he did come forth, he would be convicted of fraud. For Lord knows who knows what, why, why. Uh, You're the guy in the Bigfoot suit who's <laughs> going to prison. Uh, <laughs> Sir, we're charging you for indecent exposure. But if the suit's got the boobies, not me. Yeah, I don't... <sighs> Anyways, on... Uh... 2005. He said that his relatives have claimed to have seen an ape suit in the car two mm. days after the video was shot. Mm -hmm. uh, Russ Buchanan, a close friend of Bob Aronius. I keep purposely saying his name. Yeah, wrong. he sounds like a like a medieval villain. Bob Hieronymus. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he said that he had told him the truth in confidentiality in '69. Hmm. But there's, I mean, there was only two. <laughs> Only two in '69. Yeah, <laughs> oh. <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> they did too. Uh, and then here we go. This is where it gets interesting because he gave three different variations yeah. of what the suit was. So the first one he said weighed about twenty to twenty-five pounds, and it said it was made from a dead horse skin. Yeah, uh, that Patterson had made himself. Mm -hmm. uh, in no other way have I received information that Patterson was creating suits. Yeah. Of any of any sort. Yeah. Uh, the second one was after Phil Morris came out because Hieronymus came out like slightly before Phil Morris. Yeah. And it then he changed his story and said that Phil Morris had made the suit and it was a gorilla suit, not a horse hide. Yeah. It seems like a pretty interesting detail you might remember. And uh. <laughs> Every time he says it, he puts a suit on a different way. Yeah. Because oh, I think yeah. I think the, the the first one, he's like, oh, it, it was pieces. I kind of slipped it on, and it was real rough and hot, and it had no – and then the second one's like, oh, there's a zipper on the back, and it yeah. was – I, I had the gloves on, and mm -hmm. so he keeps changing what the suit – like how you put it on. Yeah, and then Hieronymus and Morris actually created a suit uh, – that they said could easily be duplicated for seven to eight thousand dollars. Yeah, <laughs> which easily, easily, easily. Not you could do it over a weekend, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, looks nothing like. Yeah. The figure in the video. I, I think they, they have him walk in it too, and like yeah. it just it just doesn't it's look just like... this fat dumpy guy yeah. like struggling. Uh, and then he did the polygraph test in 2005, and he passed. Yeah. They asked him, were you the guy in the suit? And he said yes, and yeah. he passed. Because, I mean, it, isn't it the thing is, like, if you think you're telling the truth, then it's just like, oh, he's telling the truth. So yeah. it's just like, yeah, I was the guy in the suit because I think I was. Well, get this. Here's a fact from 1991, that two-thirds of the scientific community with requisite background information to evaluate polygraph procedures considered polygraphy to be a pseudoscience. Yeah. That's... What is that? 14 years prior to this polygraph test that was done on TV? Yeah. Which I watched today. Yeah. It was not very good. Yeah. I was like, what is this show? Yeah. What is this? <laughs> it's a rough time, 2005. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, liar. <laughs> Where's he at? Yeah, his Wikipedia page should be calling him every name in the book. Yeah, I mean, when it comes down to it, I, I think it's a real Bigfoot in the video. I just... I couldn't find... This is just like a, a funny quote. I couldn't find if this was attributed to him or not because I tried to watch some interviews. and Because I mentioned, I was like, I, I could have sworn I'd seen similar video to where some guy who didn't look like Bob said he was the guy in the suit. Right. And all I, all I remember is him being like, 
yeah, so we were there in the day. It was kind of hot. I'm in the suit sweating. And uh, Roger tells me, go stand by the goat squad over there and just get up and start walking. Yeah. He's like, okay. So he gets up and he walks. And he's like, so I'm walking. And I do the turn to make sure there's no hunters in the area because I don't want to get shot. <laughs> I was like, yeah, because that's clearly like you do a one take to make sure there's no hunters in the yeah. area where your friends are. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just a, that's the only, I remember that quote. Cause I was like, that's pretty funny, but it doesn't make sense in context. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. I went on pretty long about that, but I just wanted to dismiss the hoaxes. <laughs> I mean, that's what this episode is about. It's all about yeah. the footage. So it's relevant. Yeah. yeah. I mean, go watch the footage yourself, you know, formulate your own opinion on it. But I mean, Watch that, and then just watch, like, anything from, like, the 60s about, like, monkeys, like, this practical effects. Like, yeah. watch Planet of the Apes. Yeah. And compare and contrast that. Like, you know, I mean, wa- what... watch a production that had money versus two guys with horses. Yeah. I mean, what was before Planet of the Apes? Was it 2001? Uh, yeah, Space that... Odyssey. Yeah. Which also won an Oscar for the makeup. Mm-hmm. Which also isn't very good. I uh, had a hard time but I love getting through that movie, my friends. Yeah? Oh, uh, my gosh. Uh, I was actually going to watch it today. All that darkness and then 15 minutes of screaming chimps. I was oh, not. It's awesome. I was not having the it. The Dawn of Man. I had Dude, to give up. Great. That's my favorite part of the movie. I. It's just. It, this this will, wasn't be, into this it. will be a tangent, but uh, <laughs> I, I love that movie. I love 2001. I love it very much. And in high school, uh, I was taking film and media class. And. Um, my, I think it was either me or my buddy. We we were assigned to make a Sharpie commercial. It was like make uh you know make a three you know two minute long just commercial to get the idea of how to shoot. And I was like you know it'd be great. You have a shot you know of a barren wasteland and you have the monkeys and they're going about the daily lives and one of them finds a Sharpie, and he starts writing on the walls with it and he starts making art with it and stuff and then. You see, instead of the big monolith, it's a big Sharpie, Sharpie. cap. <laughs> and then, it, you know, it points up. And then the music starts swelling. They're going crazy. They're drawn. And then one of them throws in the air. And it starts spinning. And then it stops in space. And it's a big Sharpie. And it says, <laughs> Sharpie. <pretty> revolutionary. <laughs> revolutionary. I just, yeah, it's not my cup of tea. Not my kind of movie. <laughs> I, res- I respect for it. But it's not, not it's your understandable. thing. Not my thing. It's understandable for sure. I felt that way for years. <laughs> but yeah, go watch 2001. <laughs> it's good. Uh, I think, is there anything else you guys want to add? Well, I just want to say that whether or not any of these stories are true, the idea of Bigfoot is alive and well. And that is in large part because Gimlin, who started off as a non-believer, was the one one of the two people to help catch a glimpse of it on film and mm-hmm. that and that's what a lot of people hold on to when it yeah. comes to their their belief that bigfoot is is out there yeah it's I, out there it's out there and bigfoot women are stacked they're apparently. out there they're out there eating fishes <laughs> killing people's dogs right now what at this very instant no as you're listening they're petting them dogs bigfoot's a gentle soul he only kills dogmen and other dogs. No. All right, anyways. Anywho, that's for another join episode. Join us next week when we start climbing up the mountain further. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> We're going to go deeper into some evidence, uh, specific 
pieces, recordings, recordings, pieces of things. Go into a little more detail. I mean, we've mentioned a little bit about it in mm-hmm. the first episode, but the next episode is kind of just going to be a list in case you don't know of a lot of evidence that exists or you're looking for more evidence. Mm-hmm. Um, we will provide that yeah, for that, you next Yeah, that way, week. you know, next time you walk down the street and someone's like, yeah, I don't think Bigfoot's real. You're like, well, I got some info for you. Let me just whip this info out. Let me whip and let me nay-nay the Bigfoot way. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we want to thank you for listening. Uh, my name is Alex Daikaiju. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Alex Daikaiju. Uh, that's D- Alex, D-A-I-K-A-I-J-U. And what about yourself? You can find me on Instagram and Twitter as well. My name is the same on both platforms. It's J-A-S-M-I-N-E-M-A-E-W-I-T-H. It's my full name, Jasmine Maywith. What about you, fella? And I'm Eli Watson, and you can find me. Just reach me through the... I run the Instagram page for Cryptid Campfire. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's probably the best way to reach me. Uh, Feel free to DM. DM, I look at all the DMs. Just keep your uh, Fortnite adventures out of it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I said this last week, but I'm going to say it again. I'm going to be attending the Bigfoot Festival in Oregon yeah. on August 17th. I'll be representing Cryptid Campfire. Yes, sir. Yeah, and I don't think Alex mentioned it in oh. this one, but he actually runs the Cryptid Campfire Twitter. Twitter yeah. We have the Twitter um, now. There are some there are some changes that happened just last week uh, <laughs> after we finished recording. Both Eli and Alex changed the handles of their Twitter accounts. So, uh, and you will never find me again. <laughs> the Cryptid Campfire Twitter is just Cryptid Campfire. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the same as it is on Instagram. Used to be Campfire Cryptid yeah, for an I, inside joke reason, and he didn't even I realize. didn't realize it. I just You type in Cryptid Campfire so many times, you just start blurring yeah. together. Uh, so, yeah, you can follow the Twitter. That's yeah, what follow Alex the Twitter. Runs. I'm posting uh, infos. You can ask us questions, post the mm-hmm. links to the Spotify and the, Insta- and the iTunes. And then Eli runs the Instagram, which we mentioned. Uh, slide yeah. into those DMs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and if you, if, you, if you don't have an Instagram, you don't have a Facebook, don't have a Twitter, you can email us at cryptocampfirepodcast at gmail.com. Send mm-hmm. us any stories you got, any cryptids you want to hear. If you have any ideas on what you think Bigfoot is, let us know. Yeah, keep an eye on the story on the Instagram, too. Ooh, um, yeah. We... Uh, Eli reposts a lot of cryptid art, mm-hmm. uh, and then we occasionally have polls as well. Yeah, uh, if you have any cool cryptid art, send it my way. So the posts on the main page are usually our cryptid facts, some behind-the-scenes stuff, mm-hmm. maybe, but uh, check out the store, too, because there's some cool content that shows up on there as well. Very true. Well, thank you for listening, everyone. We'll see you next week when we climb a little higher on Bigfoot Mountain. Bring your water bottles! <laughs> oh, my <laughs> And your percolators. There's a fish in the percolator. <laughs>